Welcome to the New Abbey Podcast. Today's conversation is called A Normal Perspective. The question for you all to get started with is, what's your most embarrassing moment? Enjoy. I had no idea what they were going to do the improv about, and so the fact that this is my first story, I will say this is nothing else but God. Two weeks ago, another pastor down in South Orange County invited me to go golfing, and I've already rescheduled with this guy like four different times. I'm 70 miles away from my house, driving down to South Orange County, South Orange County to go golfing. I know that's some real white man shit. And so I got down there a little bit early because there's a lot of traffic, and I decided to go grab breakfast with my buddy before I go golfing. I have a 12.10 tea time, and uh, when I'm down there having breakfast with my buddy, you know, we've finished a little bit early, so we've got like 20 minutes to hang out with one another. So we're walking outside around the city of Orange, and it's that moment where it's a little bit windy and it's noisy on the street, and I realize I just really need to fart. (laughs) And so I thought, perfect opportunity to do this. No one will hear, no one will smell, here we go. I let this little baby out, and immediately I knew something went terribly wrong. (laughs) Terribly wrong. People, I've never sharded in my life. This is not, I've trusted my body up until this point. All of a sudden, I hug my body, no explanation, say, good to see you, gotta go run to this restaurant and go into the bathroom. And as I'm preparing to pull down my pants to clean this up, they are soaked. Soaked. I am horrified, mortified, not knowing what to do. I am 65 miles from my house, and I have a 12.10 tea time to make. So I am in this bathroom scrubbing myself down. It was like peanut butter in my pants. But I was committed, people. I scraped it all out, threw that underwear away as far down as the trash can as I could get it, right? Somehow put my pants on knowing I have to go get a very specific set of clothes to continue on with my day. I take every toilet cover, seat cover that was in that place and I line my entire car with it, right? So that I can sit in my car safely. I go to Dick's Sporting Goods on an adventure to find clothes so that I can still make my tea time. I am in Dick's Sporting Goods and I can smell myself. (laughs) I get to the front. And I tell the lady, I need to purchase all of this merchandise and I need to be able to take this merchandise into the bathroom to change. Is that okay? She's like, I don't see a problem with that. I'm like, thank you, God. So I go into Dick's Sporting's Good and I just shower myself. I just bathe, I clean it all up, I pack everything away and I drive, I call my wife and I say, you're not gonna believe what just happened to me. (laughs) And she filled me with compassion by laughing for five minutes straight at the narrative of what just took place. And I get to this golf course and I tell this pastor, because at this point, shame is out the window. And I'm like, I'm so sorry, I'm so late. I shit myself. (laughs) 
And he's like, dude, we could have just rescheduled. I said, no, I was committed to the journey. And that's what I kind of think faith is like. It's unexpected. We're figuring it out. There's no normal. And how do you plan for the troubles of life? And sometimes shit just happens. And with that, let's talk about perspective, my friends. And to talk about perspective, we got to do some things. We already did the first one. Then we're going to talk about normalish. Then if we can talk about normalish, and we really have to ask ourselves a few different questions, like what is the Bible? And who is Jesus? And where is humanity going? And if we can do that, then we can talk about a mountaintop perspective for our very lives. And then if we can talk about a mountaintop perspective, then we can say to ourselves, we really shouldn't take ourselves that seriously. And if we can work on not taking ourselves so seriously, then maybe we can talk about the fear that we actually have for life. And if we can talk about the fear that we have for life, then we'll have the possibility to examine some things, and we'll close that out with a little bit of Ray Anthony Hinton. Are we ready to go, my friends? With that, I have this idea for us, which is our perspective of our life is our ultimate reality. That your perspective, whether you know it or not, is actually how you see the world. That your perspective is guiding everything that you do. Sometimes in Christianity, we want to root these things in the Bible or in tradition or God, but you are filtering God and tradition and the Bible and your faith and everything else through the actual perspective that you have. And what happens at times is that we think that there's this other mythological perspective out there, and then we feel guilty because we're not somehow living into that reality over there. When the truth of the scenario is that all of us are just human beings figuring it out. That we have sharts in our pants, right? We have uncomfortable 14-year-old experiences on the side of a bus. We have traumatic experiences that we're not ready for or prepared for. I can't tell you how many coffees or beers I have a week with people who are asking this underlying question, am I just doing this thing right? How many parents who are asking these questions of, I just feel like I'm failing. Is my kid the only kid that screams? Is my kid the only kid that has tantrums? Yes. (laughs) No, of course not. People who are in relationships, who've been married for years, or just getting together, wondering, is this how you do the thing? Is there somebody else who's got a better answer for this? All kinds of people in this town asking questions, am I fulfilling my purpose? Am I making the most out of my actual life? Is this job going to contribute to anything for me? We're all asking these deeper questions of, am I just doing this right? And the answer is yes and no because there's no playbook for your life. It's your life. You're figuring it out, and there are not perfect answers for how you figure it out, and that's the magic. That's actually where life is interesting. The problem for us is, is how we've looked at the Bible. Can you go back to that other slide? Is that most of what we've talked about the Bible, what we've been taught about it, is that the Bible is the B-I-B-L-E, right? The acronym for basic instructions before leaving earth. Did anyone ever get that special one when you were a kid? I'm so sorry, right? That's not helpful. It's not basic instructions for be- before leaving earth. It's highly complicated wisdom and experiences of humanity in turmoil, figuring out how to live. And because they don't have it all figured out, they do what what human beings have done from the beginning of time. They've shouted out to God looking for something more. That's what we're doing. 
We're all just exploring and discovering. That we've been told to find a set of absolutes. Instead of doing what the Bible takes us into is to ask better questions about our journey. That so many of us, when we were given the Jesus story, we were really taught to memorize these stories of Jesus' life from 2,000 years ago. But that's not the point of the Jesus story. The Jesus story is that there is this resurrected Christ who you get to interact with. There is this Jesus who is showing us what it means to be human. That the narratives of the Gospels about Jesus are so that you can look at them and you can say, oh, this is the best way to be a human being. To live in love, to live in kindness, to be gracious, to cross boundaries, to love your enemies. That's the narrative of Jesus. Even the narrative of the cross is not about an angry God torturing his child so that this God can feel better about you. The story of the cross is the journey that we all go on through suffering and that Jesus goes there first so that we too, in our own paths of suffering and pain, would know that we're not alone. So that we would know that when we're hurt, we don't have to hurt other people. That's the story of Jesus. That Jesus didn't take on the pain of the world and release it out onto the rest of us. That Jesus took on the pain of the world and transformed it into something more beautiful. That's called resurrection. That's the narratives that we're engaged with. We need bigger stories of the Bible. We need bigger stories of Jesus. We need bigger stories of humanity. That Evolutionary biology will tell us that for the amount of time that it's taken for our universe to basically form itself and for us to get multi-celled organisms and for humanity to become life, that we're about halfway through the narrative. There's still another 10 billion years ahead of us as human beings. It's like saying this, we're just in the middle of this thing. Does the world seem complicated to you when you look out at television right now or you're watching the political debates? Yeah, incredibly, because we don't have all of the answers. We're figuring it out. We're wondering, we're questioning, we're striving, we're trying our best, we're competing ideologically against one another. And what if that's exactly where humanity is at? What if all of us at some microcosm, that's where our lives are at? that so much of what we've taught people is arriving at some point. If you've arrived at that point, you're dead. The journey is that you're figuring this thing out in real time. There will be other journeys within your journey, and they all move in the same direction, just like the story of Jesus. That the story of Jesus is wrapped up, right, in Jesus' birth and the baptism moment where Jesus Uh, where the heavens open and God speaks over Jesus and says, this is my child whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. That is the opening narrative of Jesus' ministry. And then, of course, we go through death and resurrection to close this thing out. And that's the cycle for all of us. We are born into new things. We are trying to figure stuff out. We're deconstructing and then we're reconstructing. We have loss and we have change and we have figuring it out. And then there's renewal in our life we get to see a narrative in a different way. But there's a beginning and an end to all different components of our life, but how do we actually live in the middle? There's a story in the Gospels where the disciples and Jesus have been on the road a long time, and Peter has just said to Jesus, you are the Christ, you are the Messiah, you are the Son of God. He's identifying that there's more to you that's going on here. 
And right after that, Jesus takes his disciples up to a mountain, and it's literally in the middle of the Gospels. And it's the same thing that all of us would want as human beings, that when we're on our journey and that when we're figuring it out, we pray for God to speak to us with neon signs. Has anybody ever done that? Just two of you. The rest are lying. Thank you. That we're looking for answers. We're saying, God, if you would just show up in this moment. Have you, any of you ever made a deal with God? Yes, if you just do this thing, then I'll do this thing. Fingers crossed, right? Behind the back. But I think that the power of the narrative that we're about to read is it's in the middle of the story because that's the thing that we're looking for. We're looking for God to show up with angels and trumpets and lasers and fog machines and Chris Tomlin songs, I guess. But maybe life is just in the ordinary. Follow along with me in Matthew chapter 17. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. What this is saying is, back in the ancient world, people would go up into mountaintops to encounter the gods. It's setting you up for something, saying they thought that they were going to experience something incredible, bigger than themselves. There he was, transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. You've been asking for the neon sign moment. You've been asking for God to show up. And here you are on the mountain, right? And the great people of faith show up to give you some answers. But what happens with Peter is what happens with all of us so many times that we just get in our own way. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. I figure he's very like Presbyterian at this point is how I see Peter, right? Uh, If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elisha. Weird. Okay. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them and a voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I love and with him I am well pleased. Listen to him. And when the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground terrified But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said, don't be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. This story happens dead smack smack, in the middle of the Gospels. It's the middle narrative where something big happens, but it happens in an unexpected way. I think that we're all just living in the middle of our journeys, and we would all love neon sign answers, but I think that life happens much more in the ordinary. After this story, actually, they go down from the mountain, and they're dealing with somebody who's demon-possessed. It's almost like saying that life is not meant to be lived on these mountaintop moments. That's actually not where you gain the most perspective for who you are as a human being. And what I love about the story is that it's, it's, it's humanized. There's this big, powerful thing going on, and you have Peter kind of bumbling through it. You have Peter who's taking himself so seriously. How many of you have taken yourself so seriously that you're kind of on top of your game and you're doing everything great, right? But life has a wonderful way of humbling us. Sometimes you crap your pants. And I'm serious about that. Sometimes the unexpected comes your way because we're just human. What we think that we want is to arise to some level of celebrity and status where the whole world applauds us, but we realize that's not where lessons are learned. That's not where we're matured. Where we're matured is off of the mountain and in the ordinary. 
that maybe sometimes we should be a little lighter with ourselves, more gracious with ourselves. Maybe we shouldn't take ourselves so seriously all of the time. How many of you are striving in your career right now? Does it lead to anxiety? Does it lead to frustration at times? Does it lead to feeling like, am I doing enough? Am I proving myself? Are they paying me the appropriate amount? All normal questions to be asking ourselves. And sometimes you should still be doing that. You should be fighting and going after those things. It is your life. But maybe what perspective gives us at times is to step back and to say, maybe I just take myself more lightly. Maybe I don't have to do everything perfectly. Maybe I'm going to bumble through the sentence or through that interview or through that killer project. And what if that's okay? What if my relationship or how I raise my kids isn't going to be perfect? What if my kid will actually just lay there on the floor in Trader Joe's like they're filled with a demon? <laughs> it will happen, my friends. About nine years ago, I was coming down the elevator at the Ritz-Carlton, and there was four of us in an elevator together, uh, and we probably had been overserved. And we're coming down this elevator, and all of a sudden, the doors open, and in walks in Kobe Bryant, his guard, and a German shepherd. And I've been a huge Kobe fan. And I'm the biggest Kobe fan in this elevator, and of the four other people that are here, I'm the loudest, certainly the most obnoxious. Like, this was my moment. Like, you, you ask God for these moments <laughs> to encounter somebody. And the other people in the elevator were, it was my wife and my friend's wife and my buddy. And my buddy's an accountant. Like the classic introvert accountant never says more than three words, right? Like I saw some introverts like, oh, thank God. And we're in this elevator and Kobe walks in and says, oh, you all look nice tonight. Are you having a good time? And I am just paralyzed standing behind him. I can smell Kobe in my nostrils. I could just reach out and touch him if I wanted to, but I'm paralyzed in this moment and I can't go anywhere. And all of a sudden, my tax accountant buddy, Chris, reaches out to Kobe because the ladies had just said, Kobe, can we get a picture with you? This is so amazing. He's like, nah, ladies, sorry, not tonight, not my thing, you know, and they're like, oh, that's cool. So my buddy, Chris, reaches out. He's like, all right, Kobe, how about one of these? And they're like doing things, hugging, <laughs> embracing brothers, exchanging phone numbers for all I know and I'm still just standing there paralyzed. And so many of us feel like that in our lives. We're just paralyzed, there's big things ahead of us, but because we're so stressed out, we're so waiting for a mountaintop moment that when we actually get there, we don't know what to do with it. And we're stressed out of our minds. And all I knew is that the day before that, Kobe Bryant could have won the scoring title in the NBA. If you don't know what that is, doesn't matter. He needed to score 41 points in the game before, but he chose not to do it. And in the interview the day before, he says, if I want to score 41 points, I can. And so as the elevator's closing and Kobe's walking out, I finally gain words and just say, should have scored the scoring title, Kobe. He's <laughs> like, nah, man, I'm good. I'm like, okay, good night. I blew it. I absolutely blew it. I was so stressed out taking myself so seriously because I had encountered a God in real life, right? Instead of being a little bit lighter with my life and enjoying it. And maybe some of the perspective that we need to have is not to miss the mountaintop moments or not to miss the extraordinary that happens in front of us because we're so stressed out that when we get there, we can't actually appreciate what's going on. How many of you have prayed for that raise again and again and again and you got it? and you're already on to the next thing. You don't have a moment to appreciate and accept the gift that you've just been given. 
How many of you have been longing for that relationship and you finally got the relationship and now there's another thing on your checklist? Like, well, now I want this thing. Instead of having the moment to have gratitude and perspective and lightness about what was just taking place in your life right there. And there's this beautiful thing that happens with Peter where Peter gives this opportunity not to be afraid. Where I think that when we don't take ourselves so seriously, we also get new perspectives of who God is. And I think for many of us, just like Peter, that we're actually afraid of God. That we really want to encounter God, but so many of us who've grew up in a certain type of church experience, the fear that we have for God is that we've actually been scared about how God actually sees us. Did any of you grow up in the world where people would say things like this? God loves all of God's children. All of the children come to me. But if you don't say a certain prayer and accept me, I'm going to send you and torture you in hell for all of eternity. That was so comforting. <laughs> right? Or everyone is welcome here. You belong but you know what I really mean, right? You know what I really mean, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. If you're gay, not so much. If you're a woman, sure, you can lead the kids. That we've had all of these things in the church where we tell people one thing with one side of our mouth, but we give actions in another way. And in reality, even if we were the privilege in the church, the narrative and the story that we were giving about God is that God offers you unconditional love and grace but if you think a bad thought, make sure you go confess that thing the next day. It was this constant game of cause and effect, and is God happy, and am I going to make the rapture? I'm the only one who lived in that world. Praise God. <laughs> and I think even what Peter offers us here is that maybe the encounter that we're looking for with God is not the neon signs and the angels, but that what happens is even after all of that happens, it all goes away is what the story is saying, and Jesus is just normal again, ordinary again. And Jesus says to Peter, don't be afraid. That's the type of relationship and perspective that God is offering us in life with Jesus, right? It's about don't live in fear of God. Don't be terrified of this being. We say it in here all of the time that Jesus didn't come to change God's mind about us, that Jesus came to change our mind about God, that this mountaintop moment happens so that we would realize maybe that's not actually the thing that we're looking for. Maybe the thing that we're looking for is actually off the mountain, in the ordinary, and we have nothing to be afraid of. And we have nothing to be afraid of because it's an imperfect process and because we're figuring it out. And the figuring it out is the good stuff. And that if we have the ability to figure it out, then when we look at the difficult or the challenging or the big moments in our life, how do we have the capacity to re-examine them as we go along in the journey? How many of you have been through the traumatic moment and at first look, you can barely deal with it? But then 10 years later, you begin to have a new perspective and you begin to see different angles about that moment. How many of you have had these traumatic moments where they've taken place and enough years and enough prayer and enough therapy and enough support has gone by and you realize, I would never wish that moment on anybody, but perhaps that moment shaped me more than anything else. And perhaps that moment shaped me even more than all of the mountaintop moments that I had that I didn't find God in the neon lights when the angels and Moses and Elijah arrived, but I found God just like Jesus on the cross shouting out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That it was in the moment of nothingness and wondering and doubt and figuring it out that you actually ended up experiencing your greatest resurrection. Maybe that's where the magic is at. And we live in a town like LA where that is uncomfortable wisdom and uncomfortable language for us. 
That as we find ourselves in the middle of the journey, I know we want a mountaintop experience, but maybe where Jesus is always leading us is right back into the ordinary with a greater perspective of our lives so that we can re-examine who we actually are, that we can re-examine the gifts and the pain and the hurt that we've been given because that's unique to our story, that you're figuring it out and that's okay. Ray Anthony Hinton was convicted wrongfully to 30 years of imprisonment in the South. And he fought like crazy to say, I didn't commit this murder and this wasn't me. And DNA evidence 30 years later eventually took him out of prison. But for 30 years, his life was robbed from him. For the first four years of his life, he said when he was in prison, on death row, he didn't talk to anybody, say anything to anybody. He offered no words because his very life had been taken from him. There was no way, there was no screams that would bring back justice to what had happened. Until one day he's sitting in his cell and he hears the cellmate next to him crying because that cellmate had heard the news that his mother had died. And in that moment he realized, what if I stop thinking about my pain and my hurt and my problems and I start thinking about other people's lives? How will that shape my perspective even in this place? And every day for the next 26 years, he said, that's all that I did every morning. I woke up and tried to have a different perspective for what was going on. That 54 people would go to death row when he was there, that they would walk to the execution chambers. But he said, I don't wish this life upon anybody, but what God gave me in these 30 years was this that no one gave me joy when I came into life, so nobody gets to take that away from me. That even in these circumstances, I'm still going to bring joy to other people and into their lives. And he said when those prisoners would go to the execution chamber, he would get all the other prisoners to bang their cups against the bars, and they would just shout out things like, we love you, and you're known, and we see you. And for 26 years, he had the opportunity to do that. He's like, I don't wish that upon anybody. There was a complete injustice and travesty to my life that I had to be here. But in that moment, I made sure to make it the best for everybody else. That life is incredibly difficult at times. There is no normal, just so you know. That we're all in the middle figuring it out. I don't have all of the answers for later, nor do we need all of them to figure out all the details of your life. But what we can have is a greater perspective for who we are. We can be gracious to ourselves. We can take ourselves lightly. We can learn to have a different perspective of God. And then at the end of the day, we can choose how we encounter the reality of our actual lives and how we treat other people in it. Would you find those same three or four people around you and answer this question? How can changing your perspective reframe your life? Enjoy. Thanks for listening to the New Abbey Podcast. For more information, visit us on the web at www.newabbey.org.